Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Hurricane Ian, one of the strongest hurricanes ever to hit Florida. It's now making its second official landfall as a Cat 1 storm in South Carolina. It hit Cuba, devastated Southwest Florida, moved across the state into the Atlantic, and now it's back. Is that what you're telling me? It's such a strong storm that it went across Florida got into the Atlantic, went down to a tropical storm, but then picked up enough momentum to where it's a Category 1. Now, we've kind of got to the point to where we just look at a Category 1 storm and you're like, oh, well, that's nothing serious. We're still talking about sustained winds of 85 miles per hour and storm surge of 4 to 7 feet coming up the Carolina coast here. So that tells you how strong this storm really is, Nige, and it's massive. You look at this thing on the map, it's unbelievable. You're going to see tons of flooding from South Carolina up to like the Cape Fear area, North Carolina, and then ultimately it will make its way onto land. Now, here in Indy, we're not going to see any ramifications of the rainfall. But I heard something about clouds and wind and stuff over the weekend, yeah. right? You could see some wind gusts tomorrow, uh, maybe into Sunday, 30-mile-per-hour gusts once in a while. But the uh, the nasty stuff will not be coming to central Indy. Man, it, it, as rare as what happened in southwest Florida, Fort Myers Beach, uh, it, the devastation is un- unbelievable in the billions of dollars. As rare as it is, I mean, it had happened. There, I mean, Sanibel Island, the uh, where the causeway there separated. People are stranded. It hadn't happened there in a hundred years. But as rare as that is, and uh, like it makes me rethink my goal of having a place in Florida to retire to, or at least somewhere to go spend six months at a time, because I have neighbors, I have friends, my. Uh, my trainer at Exercise Inc. has family that have lost everything. They have uh, properties in, in down there towards Naples, Bonita Springs, uh, Sanibel Island, Fort Myers. It's it's unbelievable to look at it. It really just makes me think that uh, maybe I wouldn't want to invest a property down there. Or maybe you go inland I mean? a little bit, not necessarily yeah. on the coast, maybe go inland a little bit more. I was just watching, what was I watching? Uh, so I think I was watching Tucker last night, and he had a correspondent down there talking to somebody in Fort Myers uh, that was just despondent, just without hope, and trying to pull themselves together. Look, if there's one thing we know the hu- as human beings, especially as Americans, we know how to rebuild and we know how to persevere. But right now, it is, it's overwhelming. It looks like an explosion took place yeah. in Fort Myers. I mean, it's that level of destruction. Everything destroyed from the businesses to, you know, a lot of the folks that live right there on the coast. Big, massive boats. We're not talking about your buddy's pontoon boat. Yeah, We're talking no, about yachts. big, massive yachts that were thrown onto the land on top of houses on top of other boats it's total destruction and the numbers this morning uh just shy of two million people still without power in southwest florida 99 percent of hardy county without power and 85 percent of charlotte and lee counties without power 
I think the response from DeSantis has has been he's been doing very well though. I mean they they prepared for this thing. They're as prepared as they can be, especially with tens of thousands of line workers down there. Uh, National Guard, Indiana, uh, people from Indiana down there helping with the efforts. Yeah, a lot of states have volunteered to come, you know, assist with the recovery. And the Florida Division of Emergency Management Director, it's a guy by the name of Kevin Guthrie, uh, he said there is one confirmed death in Polk County and at least 20 unconfirmed deaths in other hard-hit counties like Charlotte and Collier. Here is Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. In addition to the rescues yesterday, uh, rescue personnel have gone to more than 3,000 homes in the hardest hit areas, uh, going door to door to check on the occupants of those residences. There are over 1,000 dedicated rescue personnel who are going up and down the coastline. Uh, they all also are going to be doing more and more inland in some of our counties. Uh, inland portions of Charlotte and Lee, uh, but also DeSoto and Hardy counties. I think Hardy County is the most without power right now. If I think they're 99% without, or they're pretty. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so you see the, 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 the really uh, troubling images of a, dis- a washed out home on, on the Fort Myers beach. And that really is ground zero and obviously very important, but this was such a big storm that there are effects far inland and these rescue personnel are sensitive to that. And they're going to be helping. So, again, the storm now slamming into the uh, southeastern coast region, South Carolina, being slammed by Hurricane Ian as a Cat 1 right now. Just a side note, I was watching uh, Fox News right before the show started, and uh, Buttigieg was on there, uh, the transportation secretary. And, you know, he was talking about the efforts, talking about coordinating with Florida. And the last question they asked him, I didn't know this, a group of Democratic lawmakers from Massachusetts just sent a letter like, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, as this hurricane was bearing down on the United States in Florida, they just sent a letter to Trish, uh, tra- uh, um, the Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and asked him to investigate Ron DeSantis for sending migrants to Martha's Vineyard. As all this was going down, legislators, lawmakers in Massachusetts are writing letters asking them to uh, investigate DeSantis. And to Pete's credit, he's like, yeah. I get letters like that. I get letters all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't read it. My efforts now are the people of Florida. In my mind, he opened up the letter, put it on the ground, and went full Lou Brown from Major League and just took a leak on it and went on with his business. It's Buttigieg, so I I would like to believe that's true, but at least he gave the right answer. I mean, I— Can you believe that, though? Even if you're a (laughs) hardcore Democrat, that's not the time. That is not the time to do that. And if the roles were reversed, if this were California having some sort of major disaster and Republicans were wanting to do something, that's not the time. You have to pick and choose the time. Come on. Uh, Turning our attention to some other stories, the war on crime in this nation. Of course, here in Indy, we're gearing up for a big prosecutor election coming up in November. They're a mess in Philadelphia, though. People are calling Philadelphia kill Adelphia because the crime is so out of control. And just this year alone, there have been 374 fatal shootings and 1,425 non-fatal shootings in the city. In a 20-month stretch, there have been 1,000 killings, stabbings, shootings, everything factored in, 
1,000 killings in like 20 months. Yeah, and it's Krasner there, the DA there in Philly, right? Krasner really? went on with a local TV station today, Fox 29 in Philadelphia, their morning show called Good Day. And I have to give a little hat tip to the anchor here. It's a guy by the name of Mike Jarek. He ripped the district attorney right to his face. But maybe it's not working. It is working. The reality is there are a thousand people killed in 20 months. The, it is working. The reality is when you look at all these different jurisdictions, we've had a devastating blow from the pandemic. And there is absolutely no correlation between being progressive or traditional and the rate of crime. These states in the United States that have a rate of homicide that is 40 percent higher are MAGA states. They are Trump states. I'll say it again. The rate of homicide in Trump states, as compared to Biden states, take all 50 of them, is 40 percent higher. You know, higher. Republicans say the opposite. It's all the blue the states. It's totally lie. false. I mean, let's just get down to it. Republicans lie. Right or wrong, uh, D.A. Krasner, maybe for a fresh start, resign. That is that doesn't even cross your mind, does it? No, because the fact is Philadelphia voted for me overwhelmingly because they want what we are doing. They they like the thousand killings in twenty months. Did I hear him mention COVID in there? Did he throw Some that point. in there as yes. an excuse? And I'd like to break. point out that according to uh, a study done, a statistical analysis using crime cost per capita, the 10 most dangerous cities in America, St. Louis, Jackson, Mississippi, Detroit, New Orleans, Baltimore, Memphis, Cleveland, Baton Rouge, Kansas City, Missouri, and Shreveport, Shreveport, Louisiana. Right. Only one of those areas was won by Donald <laughs> Trump in 2020. That was quite the that was quite the spin Krasner gave, though. I know that's all the violence is in Trump Trump red states. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's not true. That's false. And you can understand how people are waking up to this. Bowden in San Francisco just got recalled. Gascon in L.A. almost got recalled. They were trying to uh, talk about removing Bragg in Manhattan. So it's it's definitely people are waking up. And Indianapolis, you're going to have your yeah, opportunity in November. Uh, Ryan Mears, the unelected incumbent. Cindy Carrasco, the challenger. One person wants to be tough on crime. The other one, who currently has the seat, wants Indy to be San Francisco and Portland and Seattle. So please make sure you go out and vote. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. Hi, it is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Matt Bear is our traffic guy. He's moseyed on in from the WIBC Traffic Center here in studio live. Matt, how are you? I am outstanding. Beautiful day, man. Good what are they Lord. doing? What do they got set up on in the circle there? That's a little Oktoberfest party. No little, kidding. Yeah. That's little, pretty cool. Like a big stage. Looks like some music going down this weekend. No, we have fun here downtown, let me tell you. See, this is the thing. When downtown is right, it's one of the most beautiful cities in America. But most days, and again, I walk around the circle a couple times before every show just to get the blood pumping. I'm dodging feces, and it's stepping over the homeless. And, Nige, you know I'm not making this up because I send you pictures of the poop. (laughs) 
You could stop that, by the way. It's <laughs> not necessary. We can make our own. I'll never forget uh, Senator uh, Todd Young came in here. It was either 2020 or 2021. It was one of the first live in-studio guests we had since the pandemic. And I think it was in 2020, it was late 2020. And uh, right before we turned the uh, microphones on, he you know like how was the walk in here everything all right he goes yeah i had to jump over a puddle of pee just to get in here <laughs> how did he know it was a puddle of pee that's what yeah, i want to ask the well, senator i probably uh, come on we all know what puddles of pee look like right, right. right. and he so. works in washington you get yeah. around pelosi enough you'll see a puddle of pee <laughs> Uh, I would have asked him if he'd ever been downtown before. You know that. Any uh, anything's on the roads we need to know about? Any big movings and shakings happening, Matt? Oh, good lord! Um, coming up this weekend, a huge thing. You know, we're getting to the end of this North Split project. At least it's supposed to be done here in a few months. And man, oh man, did they throw a wrinkle at us here earlier this morning? Uh, Westbound seventy. They built this new ramp. So they're going to take everybody coming into downtown from the east side and put them on this flyover ramp starting this weekend, this brand-new flyover ramp. Here's the caveat to this. If you're used to exiting to downtown 265 on one side of the ramp, it's going to be the exact opposite on Monday. So in other words, Ugh. I will have to use the left two lanes of the ramp instead of the right side of the ramp to go to 65 starting on Monday. So it's kind of like when Clark Griswold was in European vacation and he couldn't figure out driving on the opposite side of the road. <laughs> yes, except everybody else is going to be trying to merge with you at the same time. Big Ben Parliament. Big Ben Parliament. Yeah, it's going to be a cluster. I, I hope it's not going to be a cluster because we've really tried hard to get the information out here. But if you're trying to get to Michigan Street now, you're going to be on the other side of the ramp. So in other words, if I'm used to exiting on one side of the ramp, I'm going to be using the opposite side of the ramp starting on Monday. Lord. Matt, I got a story that I would like to get your opinion on here. You seem like a well-rounded guy. I think you can kind of give us the voice of reason that we need for this. <laughs> There's a new documentary coming out about how much hate Barney the Dinosaur got. Now, you remember Barney. Yes, I, I love you. You, you love me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The documentary is called I Love You, You Hate Me. <laughs> and even the guy who played Barney got death threats. Here's a part of the trailer. It just exploded. It was a cultural phenomenon. This is Barney, and this is what he sounded like. Barney stands for inclusion, acceptance. People couldn't accept that this was just a show, and, and so let the bashing begin. They were violent and explicit. Death and dismemberment of my family. Barney. <laughs> they were going to come and find me, and they were going to kill me just the dark side of this whole moment. There was something larger going on here. I don't think you could ever think somebody would shoot someone. So if it's dark and it's disturbing, we turn to Matt Bear. Matt. <laughs> In all, all right. fairness, Barney is pretty creepy. Yeah. I'm glad my yeah. I'm glad my fr I'm glad my family my kids kind of passed the, I got away from the whole Barney thing. They never got into it. And I remember in the 90s that was a big thing of making fun of Barney's. Uh Barney was a big thing and well you had the Teletubbies and all these other children's shows that it's a lot it kinda, of creepy stuff. Yeah, that that all spawned from Barney, but I I remember I made fun of Barney because I was a, a teenager and in high school and in my early 20s and that's that's kind of what you did and I don't ever remember Barney doing anything to me. That that was malicious to be yeah. made fun of. You know, that's that's why I don't understand. I want to see this documentary. It looks pretty good. Yeah, I do. If you want to go down a rabbit hole on YouTube, 
There are so many great parody videos about Barney where people have edited in like <laughs> songs of Tupac or yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, yeah. one where some kid doesn't know how to dance and somebody has edited in really inappropriate things that Barney <laughs> is saying to this kid. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, it's the best thing in the world. Kyle? I had Barney footy pajamas back in the 90s. People, doesn't surprise me. People my age, I mean, that's what we grew up with was Barney. So yeah, big deal back in the 90s. I'll be looking forward to watching this. My question is, when when did we start threatening people's families for things? You know, just a cultural thing like Barney the Dinosaur. Why do we get mad at the actors and why do we get mad at the families and put them in dire straits? When did this start happening? It feels like it started happening sometime in the 90s and the 2000s. I don't know. All I know is that trailer sounded more frightening than the Dahmer series. And I'm yeah. kind of here for it. No, thanks. <laughs> I started the Dahmer series last night and the uh, first 10 minutes, I, I can say it's I, I see where we're going going on this. I, I think there might be murder in it somewhere. Oh, yeah. spoiler. Yeah, spoiler Thanks, alert, everybody. Matt. Yeah, I need a little cannibalism. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, yeah. you're ruining it for sorry, me. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. It's like when people claim that you spoiled the Titanic ending. Yeah. I think you kind of know what happens. Matt Bear, thank Thanks, you. Buddy. Thank you, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. Hammers here, Abdullah Akeem Shavaz, attorney at law and host here on 93 WIBC, joining us in studio. What other, what are the other job titles you have? I said attorney. Attorney, college professor, political writer, cool. commentator, and just hell of an awesome human being. Yeah. Accredited journalist. Yeah. yeah. yeah so Credit media. Credit media. Okay. <laughs> Gossip monger, rumor monger, general yeah. pain in the ass. Liberal <laughs> professor. Yeah. <laughs> so you so but you write for indiepolitics.org. I'm the editor that's, publisher. That's your website. Yep. You write for WIBC.com, obviously, but you also have something called the cheat sheet, right? Yes. Uh the cheat what, sheet is it's a it's a political newsletter. Uh you pay fifty bucks a year. You get all the gossip, rumor, blade innuendo before it all comes out, and it's, and it's got an accuracy rate of like ninety percent. Okay, so you're not just making stuff up. No, well, okay. no, you can't do that. Charge people fifty dollars. Well, for you it. can, but <laughs> oh, sure you can. There's a lot of people that do. So you, so so this, so the cheat sheet comes out once a week. Uh, it comes out usually every couple of weeks or a couple times a month. Okay, so the Republican Secretary of State candidate Diego Morales, um, it looks like um, he's facing what some would call some. Me Too accusations. Yes. Is that, is that accurate? Yes. This was all part of uh, this morning's release of your most up-to-date cheat sheet that right. you put There's out. a story I've been working on since actually May of earlier this year because I heard some rumblings that there were these uh, sexual harassment uh, mis misconduct allegations in Diego's background. So I've been working on this story for what, June, July, August, September, almost four, four or five months. Uh, finally uh, found out who two of the victims were, interviewed them, uh, had the interviews uh, transcribed, ran it by my attorney, by the way, because even lawyers have lawyers, just to make sure we weren't committing anything defamatory. And we went in, we ran it this morning. So take us through uh, the story here. This is kind of a bombshell story from a local politics perspective here. Take us through what is happening and what we know. Uh, what we know is, uh, let's say back in 2006, uh, Diego worked with uh, a woman on a congressional campaign. Uh, after the campaign was over, she moved to Indianapolis. He eventually moved here. They met on Monument Circle, actually right at the Starbucks. Right over there, uh, said, hey, the, the, the congressman has a gift for you. He told me he wanted me to give it to you the next time I saw you. So he, he goes to Starbucks. He does it. He said, I forgot the gift. It's in my apartment. He stays at the Marat, right up on Fall Creek across the street from yeah. Ivy Tech. 
So she gets in and she's like, okay, she's only like 20 years old at the time. So kind of sort of naive about these things and says, hey, want to, you mind get in the car? We'll drive it to my apartment. She's like, sure, because we're friends. Uh, and I asked her, what kind of car do you have? It's like I said, a black SUV. And I asked her that specifically because you, can, you, just, you just don't make up any sort of vehicle off the top of your off the top of your head. Right. What Details are important yeah. when you're doing a story like this. Yeah. Went to the apartment. Uh, she described the apartment and how everything was. He said he went to his bedroom. She didn't go in there. She sat on the couch. He said he brought. She said he brought back uh, the photograph. Then he started to you know kiss her and sort of grope her. And she's like, "Get off me! Leave me alone!" Got in the face. Uh, and I wrote in the cheat sheet, which, by the way, folks, uh, normally I don't do this, but uh, for this instance, I posted a cheat sheet on my website, indypolitics.org, so people could read it for themselves and hear what both women uh, have to say. Normally, it's it's subscriber based, but sure. But this one today, today I'm the drug dealer. Today it's today it's free. So not, knock yourself out. So how did it end? How did that situation? Uh, did she get out of there? Or? She she eventually got out of there. She she pushed him off. She he uh, she left her things in his in her car, and she had to get figure out a way to get back to Monument Circle. So uh, he she drove her. She he drove her back. I uh, said we're still friends, right? Like no, we're not still friends. She said she told her dad. Her dad said you want me to call the police? Like no. I don't want to, you know, I'm a Republican. I don't want to mess up my future, my career, like a lot of victims of sexual assault do. So that was her story. Then the other story. So was never like, any complaint filed at all? Uh, no, because they weren't really necessarily working for anybody at the time. Okay. And this was 2006. This was 2000. This, no, this was 2007. They, they met in 2006. Okay. okay. The second one was 2009 when he worked at the Secretary of State's office. Uh, once again, same story, you know, young woman, early 20s, dinner, and sort of the same pattern all over again. And uh, these are just the two women that would talk to me right now. I know of at least four all together who tell pretty much the exact same story. So when Diego Morales put out a statement today saying these allegations are false and you know I would, I would never do this, this is 15 years ago, there, there's no documentation. I didn't know you needed documentation to be a sexual assault victim. Um, Wait, he said what? Is there, there's no documentation? Yeah. Is it, what was he talking about, like any sort of police report or anything like that? I'm not that? sure is what, what he was. was here, here's what he said. Uh, the women will not reveal their identity, cannot corroborate their stories, have neither the documentation nor sources to substantiate their defaming comments. The false evidence stem from 15 years ago and were not brought forward until now. I mean, 39, 39, 39 days before an election, the time is clearly political motivated. No, the, the, the time it is, that's when I finally got them to talk to me. It just because I've been working on this story since May of this year. Does it, does it look to people like it's politically motivated here a few weeks out of the midterms? I mean, I mean, it, I'm, I'm, it's, it's like it, just because I, I, I had no idea. I don't. I, I, I mean, you know, it, like I mean, it's, it, it harkens back to Kavanaugh. Well, to you see, but, see, but Kavanaugh is different because Kavanaugh, the woman who accused Brett Kavanaugh of wrongdoing, couldn't describe anything. Uh, whereas these women go into extreme detail what the apartment looked like, you know, what he was wearing. Uh, there's a there's a section in the story that I wrote where the woman described the smell of his cologne, right? Because she remembered that. And you don't remember the smell of someone's cologne unless something funny is going on. Uh, being devil's advocate here, because I know this is a question that you're going to hear people will say on social media, why did it take so long? I know you were working on this since May. I'm not talking about you. Why now did these women decide to come out? Uh, I think in part because uh, Diego Morales is the Secretary of State candidate, and he's going to be running elections. So wouldn't he... that be politically motivated then? I, I would say... I would say politically motivated to to a certain degree, but also if people have concerns, they have concerns. And also, who would who would they who would they tell? Who would they speak to? Who would they talk to? Right. I just got the. Go and let me just say that 
Diego Morales is innocent until proven guilty. And I would say this if this were Brett Kavanaugh or Chris Cuomo. It doesn't matter which side of the scale you're on. Um, everybody deserves the right for their story to be told. So let's make that perfectly clear. And are any charges going to be filed? I don't, I don't think so because it's, the time passes just way, way too long. Uh, but like I said, these were two that I spoke to. Another uh, alleged victim actually has a lawyer, and I've been trying to talk to the lawyer to get her to come and tell her story, and then there's a fourth person. Then I got a, a text message later on the day from another young staffer basically saying I was told to, to – I work with Diego, but I was told to not be alone in the same room with him. I mean, it's a, it's a pattern. Does uh, uh, former Vice President Mike Pence have a fundraiser? With I think he has a Diego. fundraiser scheduled for next week. I don't know if that fundraiser is still scheduled, though. Okay, yeah. I, I'm just wondering what this does from a political perspective. Does this resonate? Does this Will this have an impact on I, his I campaign? Was, I, was in, I was in French Lick earlier today uh, on a media panel talking about the Indiana Energy Association, and a lot of the women were like, wow, we heard stories, but that's the first time we've actually ever seen it in, in writing. And uh, we're going to be releasing some polling of the Secretary of State's, Secretary of State's race on Tuesday. I can tell you this, more than a third of Republicans are still undecided. They don't know where they're going to vote for Diego. It's almost like between this story, his military record, uh, his uh, getting fired from the Secretary of State's office, his, uh, and some other issues, they're like little mini Richard Murdoch situations. Right. How did he get this nomination to begin with? Because, because I know our mutual friend Rob Kendall has been saying this for a long time. How did this guy get this far? Delegates were mad at the governor over the whole over the, over the pandemic thing. And uh, Holly Sullivan, who's the current secretary of state, uh, was the governor's pick. And so they wanted to stick to the governor by nominating Diego Morales. Hmm. So it was really just anybody but a Holcomb lackey. And he just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Yes. Okay, so he can't be kicked off the ticket. Let's say that he comes out and says something. I don't know. Or we get some new information. I'm just spitballing yeah. here. He can't be kicked off the ballot, right? No, can't be kicked off the ballot. It's too late to be taken off the ballot. It doesn't sound like he's going anywhere anyway after that statement. Well, uh, not now, but there's other stuff out there too, so. Okay. Have well, these... are, you, are you saying there could be other things to, to yes. before the election? Yep. Okay, I, I mean, I'm already getting it on Twitter here. This is a hit job. Abdul's going for clickbait, blah, blah, blah. I mean, no, I'm, I'm sure not, you're getting, you know, I'm sure yeah. you're getting the same thing. I've, I've been, been working on this, like, I've, I've I've working, working this since May. If I'm working on something since May, it's not clickbait. These women that you spoke with, did they give you their name? Were they okay with their name being published out there? Um, we went back and forth on that. Uh, a couple of them have young children, and so they want to protect their kids, uh, their families. And so we agreed to not use her name, but they did let me use, uh, we did let me transcribe the interviews that we did, which is what's in the cheat sheet. Did and you meet with them in person or is yes. this over the, in person? One in person, one over the phone. Okay. Why did they decide that um, all of a sudden now is the time to tell our story? Um, I think, I think just basically I'm the first one who found out about it. I, I really do. Otherwise they would, because uh, I know a couple other reporters were working on this when they found out I was working on it uh, as well. So we're just trying to race to get to the, Get to the finish line. So, uh, who's running against Diego Morales? Who's the uh, Democrat? A Democrat's a young lady named Destiny Wells, uh, and, the, and the Libertarian's name is Jeff Moore. Uh, they're both veterans, uh, without any question, their military record. So, just a little FYI. Does Destiny have a shot here in light of all of this information? I think so. Does Destiny have a shot the way that Cindy Carrasco has a shot, or is it everything has to go right 100%? I think, I think Destiny has a shot the way Joe Donnelly had a shot when Richard Murdoch made his rape comments. Okay. 
Okay, that's what mm. I'm going for because it's a red state. Yeah. You know, Indianapolis is blue. There are pockets that are blue, but it's a pretty red state. So you really got to drop the ball to lose a state week statewide race like this. You see, but again, remember, Democrats have won before. Joe Donnelly won before. We beat Richard Murdoch. And Glenda Ritz won uh, when she beat Tony Bennett. But they had the help of Republicans to do it. And so the question is, are these allegations enough to take those undecided uh, voters uh, from undecided to Destiny Wells? That remains to be seen. Where can people find this uh, story in its entirety? I uh, I'd like I said, I just put up at IndyPolitics.org with Diego's denial uh, and Destiny Wells and Jeff Moore's comments as well. It's up at IndyPolitics.org. Normally, it is, uh, normally I charge for it, but today it's on the house. You're the candy man today. <laughs> <laughs> Abdul, thank you. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, Trevor Noah leaving the Daily Show on Comedy Central, Nige. Did you know he's been there for seven years? I'm trying to do my best to figure out who Trevor Noah is. Exactly. No, I've never watched episode any clips of the Daily Show since he's been on there. I don't think he's. I've seen his stand up. It's not funny. No. Um, and it's all political. All these nighttime talk shows are. It's all politics now. All politics it's, with no humor. Like, you can yeah, do it's, politics. It's visceral, it's, yeah. You can be liberal, and I expect that. But make me laugh, though. I disagree with George Carlin's politics a million percent. But the way he would deliver his comedy was hilarious. And you look at The Daily Show's history. It went from uh, Craig Kilborn to John Stewart, and then this turd, Trevor Noah. Honestly, I thought he left a couple years ago. Yeah. He's kind of yeah. like that journeyman backup quarterback. He's Brian Hoyer, where you have to ask yourself, oh, damn, he's still playing? He's still in the league? <laughs> he's still on the Daily Show? Trevor Noah is Brian Hoyer, who, by the way, might start a game this weekend for the Patriots. Um, when you look at the numbers here, there's a guy from OutKick named uh, Bobby Burak. He does their research. According to the numbers, the only late-night show to draw lower ratings than Trevor Noah is a show called Race Theory with Bumani Jones Oof. on HBO. Now, Bumani Jones oh, was yeah. basically fired from ESPN for being too woke. Let that sink in. Uh, Trevor Noah outdrew a 2 a.m. infomercial on CNBC. Bumani Jones did not. So <laughs> I guess congratulations to Trevor Noah right there. Uh, going out anywhere this weekend, Nige? A lot of Oktoberfests happening. I think we're doing, uh, I, I believe we're doing something called the Homorama. Home Homorama? Homorama, I think. I don't know where it's at. Maybe Chatham, possibly Chatham Hills. I don't know. It's where you pay a bunch of money to walk through rich people's million-dollar mansions. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Let me guess. The better half picked out that. Yeah, this is not of my doing. Uh, but thats I, I think that's the only thing on the docket this weekend. Thank God. Homecoming nights at Beach Grove High School tonight. Uh, oh, yeah. Is I'll that be there all? for that. I'm um, doing the music for the stadium. Then I'm also assisting with DJing for their homecoming dance afterwards. But here's what stinks, man. Uh, they can't take the homecoming floats on a parade or like around the track. Because this taxpayer-funded track, remember when they hit everybody up with the referendum? Oh, we can't take vehicles out on the track. So there's no homecoming parade. There's no parade around the uh, the stadium with the floats. They're just going to have to park it there why at the stadium. It, why can't it go on the track? They say it's, it, it hurt it? It damaged it? Right. The vehicles would? That's what they're telling us. 
It's a little ridiculous because, yeah, man, I've the kids that built that those floats, they worked their butts off. And my son's the senior president. Like, they've had a week of trying to build this thing up, and it looks great, but unfortunately uh, not going to be able to ride it in a parade or around the stadium either way. But homecoming tonight for a lot of places. If you're going out to a game, enjoy it. Uh, take a jacket. Weather might get a little cool by the time that game's over. Top stories next. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Let's not waste any time. Let's get into some legal stuff. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. You have to take me through this one, Hammer. It's got a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what, what have yous. <laughs> this is crazy. So remember when... Everybody was convinced Donald Trump is a Russian agent. He's yeah. going to sell codes to Russia. He's going to give all the inside info of our military to Russia. Oh, yeah, and there's a lot of evidence of it, too. Oh, yeah, it's all back there in Adam Schiff's yeah. uh, footlocker. footlocker. Yeah, he's, got it, he's got it under his desk <laughs> in the Capitol building. Uh, well, somebody has been indicted for trying to sell soldiers' medical information to the Russians. It's the Army's first openly transgender officer officially indicted for trying to sell military medical information to the Russians. A federal grand jury in Baltimore indicted Jamie Lee Henry and his wife, Anna, on charges of conspiracy and wrongful disclosure of individually giving health information out to the Soviets, the Russians, the Ruskies. According to prosecutors, uh, these two met last month with an undercover FBI agent who was posing as a Russian diplomat, and that's how they busted them. So all this talk about Donald Trump and he's going to sell information to the Russians, it was a policy that Joe Biden created allowing the transgender community to be part of the United States military that was busted selling secrets to Russia. Um, they obviously deserve to go to jail. Um, this person wanted to live life as a, a open transgendered woman transitioning to a woman. Maybe they wanted to transition into a Russian citizen as well. And now possibly to, now they're going to have to make the transition to a uh, federal pound me in the bleep prison. Right. Uh, and if for- you've seen Office Space, you know exactly what the bleep <laughs> means. Uh, this is scary, though. I mean, this is somebody Dude, that uh, was selling the medical history of soldiers to Russia. Now, the follow-up question, what does Russia want with these soldiers' health information? Are they trying to find weaknesses? Is there some sort of biological attack? I mean, a lot of questions about what's going on here, but uh, none of these are good questions. This is not a good thing, and I'm happy that this person was busted and indicted. Uh, Big Nige, we are getting closer and closer to the midterms. We talked about this the other day, the political left really starting to ramp up the lies and the violence, the threats of violence anyway. Call to arms. Call to arms. Here's a little montage that we put together of some of your favorite Democrat pals uh, getting a little fired up, so to speak. This means war. That is where we are. We are at war with these people. It is a danger to our democracy. It is a danger to our way of life. The MAGA movement is a threat. The extremists that we're dealing with every single day, we've got to kill and confront that movement. Clearly, you know, this is a um, 
literally called to arms. Obviously, Republicans, I think, are the biggest threat to democracy. We don't separate right-wing extremists and Republican Party anymore. This Whoa. is literally what conservative white folks do when they don't get their way. They turn violent. Clearly, oh, okay. Know, this is Got it. a um, literally called to arms. How many times is old crazy Maisie from Hawaii going to recycle that tire line? It's a call to arms. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the same thing that uh, Lori Lightfoot said after Roe v. Wade, call to arms, which literally means pick up a weapon. And that was, you heard Tim Ryan in there running for Senate against J.D. Vance in Ohio, going to kill and confront the MAGA uh, Republicans. Um, You have far left organized uh, extremists uh, vandalizing and intimidating and threatening crisis pregnancy centers around the country, and nothing's done about it. You had Ellie Mistel uh, on going on MSNBC saying, when the white people don't get their way, they turn violent. Was Ellie alive in 2020, Nige? The BLM riots, was he around for that? Because I'm pretty sure $2 billion worth of damage happened and multiple people lost their wow, lives. Wow, they were mostly peaceful. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I mean, even the, that chick on MSNBC, Tiffany Cross, said saying civil war is here. That's an incredibly irresponsible thing to say. Right. But it's all they have at this point, because they certainly can't hang their hat on any accomplishments as we get into the midterms. When you have the the speech from hell, as I like to call it, with Brandon, uh, Uncle Brandon there, Joe Biden, basically calling uh, people that voted for Trump extremists. Right. MAGA, you know, the extreme MAGA movement. I heard somebody in there uh, in that montage. I don't know who it was that said that they don't separate. Remember how he tried to back the, back away from that? Well, not all oh, Trump voters, just the extremism. I mean, you have commentators saying they don't separate uh, the MAGA Republicans from regular right. Republicans, whatever that's supposed to mean. And again, they keep this definition vague of extremist MAGA Republicans. I still don't know what that means or what that is, and they keep it vague. So they're able to uh, paint with uh, one broad brush, one broad stroke, an entire political party of uh, extremists. At any moment, the left's message is that crazy white people are going to storm the Capitol. It could happen at any moment. That's why they keep putting out these advisories every other month or so just to keep the pot stirring because it's all they have. But can I read you what's happened in this country the last 11 days? Politically, just the last 11 days, you had New Mexico Republican Mark Roncati's home window shot out. You had two staffers for Governor Abbott in Texas violently assaulted. In Michigan, you had an 83-year-old pro-life volunteer uh, shot in the back. And in North Dakota, you had an 18-year-old high school kid run over and killed in a politically motivated attack. But please, tell me more about how, at any moment, these scary MAGA folks are going to run into the Capitol and threaten democracy. First of all, the dude in the Viking hat is not threatening democracy. The ski bro carrying around Pelosi's podium. Not a threat to democracy. The toboggan is waving high with a big smile on his face. And I'm not justifying it. Don't get it wrong. Those people should be prosecuted. Absolutely. You break in, you do something stupid, you should be prosecuted. But if you're asking me what's a much bigger deal, a moron in a Viking hat breaking into the Capitol... Or these things we rattled off where people almost died and in some cases did die. It's not even close. Um, Is the FBI a problem 
in this country. It's a conversation we've had on this show before. I think there's a difference between what you see in local cities, you know, your FBI agents in your city compared to the top of the food chain here. But what happened on Tucker last night, this was really interesting. So Reverend James Harden, he's the CEO of a pro-life pregnancy center that was firebombed by these lunatic radical leftists. He came on with Tucker last night, and he says that he gave the FBI the security footage of the act, video surveillance that shows these lunatic leftists damaging his center, and they've made no arrests. The FBI has gone from abdicating uh, their duty to to provide equal justice under the law to pro-life people like us to downright attacking us. And that was our concern when we filed suit against the Amherst Police Department taking charge of the the investigation to get our our video back so we can start to prosecute whoever the perpetrators are. We we came out and I I was concerned that uh, they would would engage character assassination. That is the FBI. That would be their next step. Over 70 attacks on pro-life organizations across the country, zero arrests. I mean, look, it's naive to think that the largest law enforcement agency on the globe with the best forensic technology known to man doesn't know any, not a single person who's engaging in these attacks. If it's not the FBI doing it, they certainly know who is, and they're choosing not to make arrests. It's funny how this works out. Anybody that even thought about going to the Capitol on January 6th, boy, they're DEFCON 1 on trying to chase you down and lock yeah. you up for the rest of your life. But stuff like this that happens all over the country Nothing. Crickets. Here's a little more. Look, James Revenge is the abortion terrorist group, the pro-abortion terrorist group that's taking responsibility for these attacks, and they're getting a pass. A pass. You can't allow firebombings in your country, period. Were you really told that you could not have your own surveillance tapes back because those tapes of a firebombing of your property might inspire right-wing terrorism? I mean, it doesn't seem real. Yes. Yes. We're we're, we're in the process of of suing. I mean, there's litigation. There's active litigation happening right now uh, to get our our, our video back. And so we can even so we can just see it. In fact, the town attorney representing the police department went so far as to say uh, to characterize pro-life people supporting us as AK-47 gun-toting people going around bombing and killing people. They're vilifying us. Man, I I grew up in this country. I'm trying not to be hysterical or alarmist. You you don't want to make something sound worse than it is. But the facts alone in this story are really stunning to the conscience. They they really are. That was last night on Tucker's show on Fox. Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? Yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run a couple different stories by you. You break down all the information and tell us if the story is anything or not. Okay, hit me. Now we know why Miley Cyrus performed Photograph at the Taylor Hawkins Tribute Concert. Yeah, that was Tuesday night. They had a second one at the LA Forum. Yeah. So people were confused as to why Miley did that song. Uh, She posted a phone message Taylor left her one time. We're going to play it here along with a clip of her singing the other night with Def Leppard and Dave Grohl. What up, Miley? It's Taylor. I heard you're moving. I'm listening to Photograph by Def Leppard. You could kill that one. Make Cheney learn that.
just kill her. Yeah, that's something for sure. Uh, that's pretty... Uh, I don't know what the word is to describe having a f- voicemail from the late Taylor Hawkins, superstar drummer from the Foo Fighters, saying, hey, "Man, you, you should you should put you should sing Photograph. You'd kill that one." Right. And then she, next thing you know, she's on stage at a tribute concert for him with Def Leppard and Dave Grohl. She's got some pipes. She does. I didn't really. I have not had a chance to s- like. I sat for six or seven hours to watch the one they did at Wembley Stadium, Stadium a couple of weeks ago. I've not had a chance to go through the 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 American uh, tribute that they did to him in Los Angeles, the L.A. Forum. Um, I know that uh, his son, again, got up on stage, did a couple of Foo Fighters songs, including My Hero. They played like 40, 50 songs at, that night. So it was a huge set list, bunch of guest stars. I haven't had a chance to go through it yet. I did see that one, though. And uh, you Say what you want about Miley Cyrus. She's got she's awesome. Great she's got singer. a distinctive I mean, sound too. It she like sounds a gravelly, just right. you know, just like Stevie Nicks a little bit in there, yeah, but uh, Jet maybe, yeah. Yep, I'm with you on that one. Is this anything? A video is going viral of a man saving a cat that was outside in the middle of the hurricane. Jeez. Oh, Here is the moment that Mike Ross went outside to grab the cat off the top of this air conditioner and bring it inside. Yeah, throw him in the garage. He ain't coming in a house. <laughs> yeah, that's something. I mean, if you risk your life to go outside to rescue a cat that's not yours, a kitten, and you get your kids standing there watching you. Pressure. That's a great, yeah, that's a huge pressure. You either risk your life, you die trying to save a kitten and, and perish an awful death right in front of your kids, or you turn out to be the hero. Now, uh, have you seen some of this, these storm chasers some of the footage from the storm chasers that like go into this stuff yes and look for this 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 one a couple of these storm chasers are viral they posted this just of course we've all seen it this extreme destruction from hurricane ian it ripped through florida ripped through southwestern port of florida here's just a small segment of these guys reacting to houses getting literally ripped apart by ian oh man oh a lot of insulation flying by Whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was watching it earlier. It's just intense. <laughs> yeah, I'd be out of there. And, you know, storm chasers, first responders, uh, guys on the ground currently, I mean, they run into that stuff to rescue people that either couldn't get out on their own or maybe they're infirmed. Maybe people didn't even know what was going on. There are some people that literally just had nowhere else to go that they had to go get. The, the first responders risking their lives. We know that... Um, is it is the death toll probably in the teens right now? We don't have a, a firm uh, right. Number. Nothing's official yeah, yet because yeah, yeah. they're still digging out in areas like Fort Myers. But I mean, being a storm chaser is you know, a first responder. Okay, I get it. <laughs> a storm chaser just to get video, risking your life. I'm brought back to that scene in Twister, right? Where uh, Carrie Illwis is. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, that's his name uh, in real life. He. Um, uh, he played a Princess Bride. He right. was a Dread Pirate Roberts, but he was in that movie. He's like the, the, the cocky, arrogant guy that was going up against uh, Helen Hunt and her crew, and he got swept up in that giant tornado, just died an awful death in that movie. And he wasn't trying to rescue anybody. He was just trying to, uh, to get good footage of it. 
There's you know a passion I mean? for it, man. There's uh, yeah. a passion for it. Yeah. Like some people, this is their adrenaline I mean, at rush. At least if you're Jim Cantori or somebody that's going down there, you're reporting, you're letting people see what's happening live in person, right? I mean, that's something you want to do. I think you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm I'm into this kind of stuff. I am. I would love to be down there just once. I've done everything else in my broadcasting career that I want to accomplish. I've done Radio Row for the Super Bowl. You know, I've traveled. I've done all types of things. But one of these days, before it's all said and done, I'm going to cover a hurricane. I got. One, do we have time for one more? I got time for. But I want to give it to you because we. I think we talked about this on our Wish TV hit, but we did talk about it on the air. I thought you had an interesting take. Uh, McDonald's is about to start selling adult Happy Meals. They hit the menu next Monday. You get a toy in it. There's one with the Big Mac's fries, another one with a 10-piece McNugget meal. And the toys are kind of weird, though. It's I don't know if it's anything you'd actually want if you're an adult. Like, But they're bringing back the Hamburglar, Grimace, Birdie, Hammer, adult Happy Meals at McDonald's. <laughs> is this anything? No, this is nothing. <laughs> you're grown-ass adults. You don't need to be getting toys with your food. They're right? collectibles. If you're a grown adult, you need to <laughs> stop playing with Play-Doh and stop playing with Legos. There comes a point in time where you have to knock that <laughs> yeah. crap off. And as for McDonald's, bringing back the Hamburglar and Grimace, you're doing this for the adults, but you're not doing it for the kids. And what is Grimace, by the way? I never knew what Grimace was. It looks like a big purple turd. <laughs> like, I get what the Hamburglar is. He's trying to steal your burgers. But Grimace yeah, looks yeah. like if Rosie O'Donnell just put on a Vikings jersey and went to go tailgate. Oh, what the hell is that? Wow. So, no, this is absolutely nothing. It's time to grow the hell up just a little bit. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's awesome. The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. You rock. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, probably one of the strongest and most destructive hurricanes ever to hit Florida. Hurricane Ian absolutely decimating southwest Florida areas in southwest Florida. Now making a second landfall as a Category 1 storm in South Carolina, but the damage has been done. Uh, billions upon billions of dollars worth of damage, and now we're in the uh, rescue and recovery phase. And that'll bring us to the drivehubler.com hotline. Mark Herrera is a seasoned law enforcement officer and trainer. He trains first responders all around the country in extreme situations. Uh, Mark, thanks for making time. How are you? Thank you, Hammer. I'm assuming this is Hammer, correct? This is Hammer and Nigel. You got yes. us both, Mark. We're both here, uh, my man. Hammer and Nigel, man. It's a, truly a pleasure. I just want to, first of all, I'm doing well, but thank you for being so informative and letting everybody know, giving them these required updates that they need. So I, I appreciate being a part of your day. Yeah, Mark, so tell me, we'll drill down into the, the first responders, what they're experiencing, what they're trained to do. Just give me your overall impression, though, as somebody that's an expert in emergency response, what you've seen, what this hurricane has done to uh, southwest Florida. Yeah, we got to know that obviously federal responders are working alongside probably over 5,000, you know, Florida National Guard members and other state response and emergency folks are all coming together to begin that search and rescue, right? So the search and rescue group, the coordination group is basically coordinating with obviously the, the state of, of Florida and all of their local part, partners to start searching, searching and rescue efforts. 
Now, mind you, here's the thing. That's it's it's a challenge, right? Because yeah. you're going to find that a lot of folks are going to have probably turned up missing. I know that we've had as of this morning. I think there were over twenty twenty one was the last number that I heard. Mm-hmm. But again, it's going to be it's going to take some time. Uh, but rest assured that these teams were in place way in advance of of the storm. How much can they manage? It just depends on uh, the the volatility. The, 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 well, it all depends on how severe the storm was, and we know that it took a toll on Florida. So recovery efforts on on their way. Um, you know, it's it's incumbent upon those that are, you know, that are needing assistance or help. That obviously they're going to have to use caution when they go back to their homes or if indeed they're in their homes that's going to be critical mark jason hammer here when you say people are in the rescue process right now what does that mean does that mean you know like rafting through the neighborhood looking for people stranded or are people like kicking down doors right now how does this work so that means that teams are already deployed in in all of the different areas. So most likely these teams have been sectored off in such a way where they can cover large areas to do a, you know, complete grid searches. When they do these searches, yes, to to your point, they're going to be checking any and any and everywhere people could potentially be, right? So uh but again, in order for them to do that, they've got to make sure that the conditions are safe for those folks to actually enter those areas. So that creates a delay. So when people are needing help and assistance, they may not receive that immediate assistance that they need because again, you don't want to compromise the safety of these rescue teams as well. How do you make sure the situation is safe? Mark, you're a guy that's uh, worked a long time in law enforcement. You've trained uh, around the country, first responders in extreme situations. These guys are trained to save other people's lives, but they can't go in and save lives if they're not protecting themselves as well. That's 100%. That's why whenever it comes down to evacuating, uh, you know, your communities, it's critical to do so in advance because, again, uh, you know, you're compromising the safety and well-being also of these emergency responders for the sake of weathering weathering the storm. What they're going to do is basically make an attempt to identify what are the hazards. Now, there's no guarantee, even when they look when it looks like conditions may be safe. Keep in mind, there's down power lines, right? There's there's you got to know that there's wildlife in Florida, right? And we we know the type of wildlife that's in Florida as well. So if you're wading in those waters, think about it. Yeah, a lot of that wildlife, alligators have been displaced. Wow. Mark Herrera is our guest. He's an expert in emergency response. So, Mark, how long do these teams that have come from other states usually stay in a situation like this? Uh, They could be there. They could be there the entire the entire month. So it it just varies and it just depends on the severity of of the destruction. And they're going to search any and everywhere that they can. that's, That's feasible people that know that there's family members or others that are missing they're going to do their due diligence to try to identify you know where they were last located just as just as as you would with anyone else and then they'll try to saturate those areas to identify see if they can actually find these folks but it's it's not a it's not an overnight process it's going to take some it's going to take some time and for these folks that did not survive the storm uh Mm. chances are they're going to be it's going to be a challenge to find some of those folks that's why when I sit on these on these shows, I tell them, listen, adhere to these warnings. You've got ample time right now. Evacuate. Move yourself inland. Don't chance it. You know, you don't know how it's going to end up. I think I had one 
one caller asked me on one of the shows, well, I think that tornadoes are probably worse and that I could just use a table and a quilt and I'll be fine. I'm like, "Uh, listen, I appreciate your opinion, but uh, I'm going to beg to differ on that one. I said, uh, one of these storms, as massive as it is, will will destroy and level out your home, uh, quilt and table. So, again, we've got to use common sense and good judgment. What kind of things did Governor Ron DeSantis do uh, in anticipation of this hurricane i know he acted uh several days out and uh, and i'm wondering what kind of preparations need to be made um from the top down to to make sure the residents stay safe including like you mentioned evacuation but what other things have to be in place already uh so people can act in a, in a timely manner once the hurricane passes hundred percent. So, again, your federal search and rescue teams were coordinated, right? We know that way in advance. We know that medical support was automatically uh, uh, available for hospitals, nursing homes, and also other medical facilities. And we know that FEMA also uh, delivered millions of meals and, and, and just tons of water, liters of water to areas in Florida, right? So those are some of the things that that they did. They deployed uh, the National Guard. American Red Cross was there to assist. You had all of the contact numbers from the emergency management teams that were out there pushing out information, safety information uh, and resources that could be available. One of the biggest resources as well was, hey, if you get caught up in this thing, where can I go shelter, right? And the one thing with IVM, where I work at, I can tell you right now, all of these venues and facilities, many of them are equipped to house people and are used as staging areas, like the Orange County Convention Center, which I will be up there training all of their teams, uh, I think next next month. It's, it's, it's going to be a huge training for all of their teams. Um, I can tell you right now, they use that Orange County Convention Center to stage uh, tons of emergency vehicles, um, you know, in preparation for the storm. And then where are the first responders? I mean, say you go to a place like Fort Myers Beach, which you've seen, Mark, has been absolutely destroyed, decimated. Where the first responders who are responding there and recovery, search and rescue, where do they stay afterwards? Are there other shelters? Are there you know tent cities are there um hotels that are empty where where do the first responders stay so they can continue to do their job no that's a really good question listen they dedicate uh certain locations that they know are kind of a you know out of the danger zone and in safe areas where they can house these emergency responders you know in the midst of this storm um some of them are some of them are nearby so they're able to respond but many of them are placed in locations obviously they're rendered safe um for the most part, because there's no guarantee, right? You just don't know. I mean, you, you could put all those emergency vehicles in itself inside the Orange Convention Center, Orange County Convention Center, and you have a storm like this that could potentially level it off, right? So you don't know. You're assuming there's there's an assumption of risk. You just hope that you're finding those structures and, and locations that are safe to house people, persons, emergency responders, and equipment. Uh, Mark Herrera is an expert in emergency response. We're talking about the um, search and rescue effort now going on after, you know, in the wake of Hurricane Ian. It seems like there are so many people, like you said, this giant coordinated effort. When you're a first responder, how do you know who's, I mean, in charge, I guess? It seems like there's a giant link, a giant chain of command. And if you don't have the wherewithal to like, you know, if you don't have your stuff together and you don't have, uh, people don't know who to answer to, it could be chaos. How does, how does that work? 
100%. So you have to have a solid incident command structure. You have to have what is called a unified command system in place. That's where all authority and processes are funneled through. So everybody knows what their role is in the midst of an emergency, whether you're local, state, or you're a federal agency. You know who you're going to – it's just like this humongous work chart. You know who coordinates what, who's responsible for what. It takes the guesswork out. That way there's no question because if you don't have that in place, I can tell you right now, then no one's going to take the responsibility at that given moment because they don't know that that is their role. So all of this has to be practiced in advance of any storm or any crisis. Anytime I do training, I always say you need to have, like I spoke on Uvalde, the school shooting. I said, listen, if you don't have a solid unified command system in place, you're going to have a problem because no one's going to know who does what at that given moment and that given time. And it's too late in the midst of crisis. You got to do it. You got to plan that in advance. So you got to prepare, plan, be prepared to respond, and recover. Those are the four components that you have to have in place. Mark, one more thing here before we let you go. When you've got so much water through a community, the storm surge, the rain, the unbelievable flooding, the horrific pictures that we're seeing right now, how much of a threat is biological and health? Are there a lot of bad chemicals and things like that coming through the neighborhood? That's absolutely a great question, and the answer to that question is yes, right? You don't know. The waters The waters are going to be – a lot of things have been displaced. I mentioned wildlife just a little bit ago. The alligators alone and all your wildlife has been displaced and moved. Typically, they start preparing themselves and going to higher ground as the storm comes in. But you have wildlife. You do have chemicals, right? So a lot of these plants and places that, are, that have, have had chemicals, keep in mind that all that's in the water. Keep in mind that you have electrical lines that are under underground, that are, that are, that are uh, submerged underwater. So if you're walking in these places and you don't have the right equipment, guess what? You're gonna, you could encounter wildlife. You could in, encounter biological chemicals, things that could be hazardous or caustic to your health. And you could also encounter, uh, you know, electrical current. So those are things you've got, got to be aware of, not to mention running water that can actually sweep you away as well. Mark Herrera, expert in emergency response. Mark, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think a lot of us understand a little bit better what's actually taking place with these first responders down in Florida and areas that are affected by this hurricane. Thank you so much for the time. Nigel and Hammer, thank you for having me, and I appreciate what you do. Keep everybody informed, stay safe, and uh, I'm here if you ever need me. You got it. Thank you. I didn't even think about the alligators. I mean, the displaced wildlife down there and the first responders, out of all the things those people down there trying to rescue citizens have to worry about, getting eaten by an alligator is one one of them. Well, when I saw the dead monkey on the side of the road that one day, I I asked locals, is this normal? And they said because of a previous hurricane when the wildlife had been displaced and a zoo had uh, things get crazy. That's what happens. All right. Let's give away some tickets. Okay. Caller number 9-239-9393. We got a couple tickets to go see Killer Queen, a tribute to Queen at the Egyptian Room on October 11th. We got a fun little game you're going to play, but you got to be caller number 9 right now. 239-9393. And we're back. Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. 
Coming up a little bit after 5 o'clock, the latest on the news that Abdul broke earlier that Secretary of State candidate Diego Morales facing some allegations. We've got that. We've got a hurricane update. All of that's coming up after 5. But right now, we got some tickets to give away. Killer Queen, a tribute to Queen, coming to the Egyptian Room October 11th. Caller number 9 was Josh. Josh, happy Friday, my man. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so we're going to play the same game that we played yesterday, and it's called Killer Queen or Adam Levine. I'm going to give you the line of something. It will either be a line of a song from Queen or one of the text messages that have been leaked out from Maroon 5's lead singer Adam Levine to various women. You get two out of three. We're going to give you the tickets, okay? Yep. Here we go. Number one. Killer Queen or Adam Levine, I've paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime. Queen. All right, there we go. One more. Get this one right, and we're going to give you the tickets. That body of yours is absurd. You are 50 times hotter in person, and so am I. Ha, 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 ha. Killer Queen or Adam Levine. That's definitely Adam Levine. There it is. going to play me singing karaoke again are we that's not on the rundown that is, here uh, is it please not please. part of this okay. break thank you josh congratulations stay on the line uh tk dub mega mondo will take care of you you got the tickets all right thanks guys queen you movie got it. queen movie uh greater than the elton john movie oh yes no question about it what uh, about queen movie the freddie mercury movie yeah. or the dirt about Motley oh, Crue. Oh, don't do that. One gets the a queen, the, you know, the, the awards, the queen but the other movie, one. Um, yeah, the ones. It was well, very well done. It got right. awards. The Highly guy, acclaimed the, the guy Academy played, Award winner. The guy played Freddie Mercury. I think is fr- originally from Indiana. Went to school uh, at Evansville. School, yeah. Um, uh, probably Queen. <laughs> probably Queen. I mean, <laughs> the Dirt was just entertaining. The book is tremendous. The Motley Crue, the, you know, that the Motley Crue story on Netflix came from the book that they wrote uh, a couple decades ago, at least. It's really, really good. So you're a guy that enjoys a good rock doc, a rock documentary. You read these books. You watch these shows. What's been the best one? Like, was there one that you watched yeah. where you were like, damn, I um, didn't know that? Slash, his story, uh, which which I got to interview him a couple times about, his book, um, the Sammy Hagar story, I think it's called Red Rocker. I read that in like two days on the beach. It's so good. And then The Dirt, top three for me. I read Clapton's autobiography on my honeymoon. It was okay. You were reading Clapton on your honeymoon? Yeah, sitting out by the pool, you know, okay. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Feels like, you know, that's more of like a 10, 11 years into the marriage kind of thing. Not necessarily <laughs> on the honeymoon, but you do you. All I'm right. An old soul, man. <laughs> uh, top stories coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Beer Sample Friday on the way. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer's right over there. Republican Secretary of State candidate Diego Morales facing, I guess you could call them Me Too 
accusations. The story is broke uh, by our. It's broken, I guess. It's, I, I don't know what the grammatically correct word to use there. Oh, is. somebody will tell us. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, just wait. I at, promise you. At Hammer and Nigel, but Abdul Hakim Shabazz, who uh, hosts the show here on this station, longtime host and writer for IndiePolitics.org, has been working on this story since May. Uh, two different women have accused him of uh, improper conduct dating back to the mid 2000s. So this happened around 15 years ago, and according to Abdul, and a story which you can read out there in the open at IndiePolitics.org, he's removed the paywall for this story, that Diego Morales went to a hotel, there was somebody that went with him, and may or may not have had some extracurricular activity that wasn't welcomed by a female part. Now, same thing happened to another woman. So there's two women with these stories. Ah, man, Nige, everybody's innocent until they're proven guilty. These women have a lot of distinct memory. They remember a lot of things that maybe only they would recall. But the timing of this is really weird. I think you got to remember, too, that the, the no police, there were no charges ever filed, no complaints Uh, or anything like that, Uh, and Abdul has been working on this since May. Yeah, there are people that are saying this is politically motivated. Maybe, maybe not. Abdul would certainly disagree because, again, he... He's been working on this story for months, and it just now happens that the midterms are a couple of weeks away. This is the story that he has, and he also says he's aware of more accusations, just hasn't been able to corroborate yet. Um, This just smells like October surprise, though. October 1st is tomorrow. Okay, but maybe if this is Donald Trump and the the tape where he says, grab him in the hoo-ha, and he's running for president of the United States. This is the... The Secretary of State of Indiana. I, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of work to go through to to make the case that it's politically motivated for this for this position. You're right. You know what I mean? Like, but these are such petty not, people. This is I why understand. we don't get along with these people. I mean, to his credit, Abdul loves these kind of people. That's not who we are. Like, if you gave me the opportunity to go sit at a fancy steak dinner with lawmakers or sit at home and gamble and watch whatever late-night football game was on, (laughs) give me option number two every single time. Uh, But these are petty people. I absolutely believe they would go this far for a race like that. And again, we don't know anything yet. If we have learned anything from Nicholas Sandman, from Kyle Rittenhouse to Jesse Smollett, it's maybe you just wait before you put your hot take out there on what you think happened. There's nothing wrong with saying, let's let all the cards play out here, and then we'll have a decision later on. Uh, Diego Morales denied all the accusations in a statement. Right. And again, I don't know Diego Morales. I've never met him. He could be a great guy. He could be a scumbag. I have no idea. But in this country, you are innocent until you are proven guilty. And I'm, I'm pretty confident if you listen to this show, you know where we stand on this. Whether it's Brett Kavanaugh or even Chris Cuomo. Cuomo. Who's the most unlikable dude alive? The love gov. <laughs> Andrew Cuomo, for that <laughs> oh, matter. Oh, sorry, yes. Both yeah, Cuomos. Yeah, both <laughs> Again, you are innocent until you are proven guilty. So let's just let this thing play out. I have no skin in the game here. I don't know this guy, but... I just think the timing is very, very interesting. I'm just going to leave it at that.
Uh, Hurricane Ian now making its way up the Carolinas, uh, smacking into South Carolina, could go up to North Carolina here tonight. Isn't it crazy? It, it slammed Cuba, went across the Gulf, absolutely decimated parts of southwestern Florida, crossed over into the Atlantic, uh, downgraded to a tropical storm, coming back to the East Coast, now in South Carolina, landfall of a Category 1 hurricane again. This thing won't stop. It's a monster. And again, we've kind of gotten to the point where we see just the Category 1 and we think, oh, well, that's nothing. That's just going to knock over a table umbrella. No, a Category 1 hurricane is still a big mamma-jamma. It's got sustained wind gusts of over 80-plus miles per hour. It's dumping tons of rain. Uh, three- to five-foot storm surge is expected uh, from South Carolina to North Carolina. A lot of people are going to be without power. There's still just shy of 2 million people in Florida without power still. And it's going to be a long recovery. Uh, again, Fort Myers, those pictures break my heart because I love to vacation on the Gulf Coast of Florida. The sunsets on the Gulf are the absolute best. And yeah. uh, I know a lot of those spots, and it's a long, long recovery. Would this ever deter you from – my wife and I talk about all the time how we want to invest or, or, or get a retirement home or a second place, a small little place down in Florida somewhere, whether it be Madeira Beach, in Tampa St. Pete area or maybe a little further south. This kind of thing, even though it's rare... When it happens, I mean, I, I mean, the, the the footage of Fort Myers is just devastating. It's they, right. it decimated the place, and it just makes me think. Now, well, maybe I'll just you know keep renting, <laughs> keep going down there, and you know maybe rent a place for a month, and that's the plan. Or would you I go more imagine. inland, like a place like Orlando? Well, no. Orlando is inland. You're well, they had to shut Orlando down. True, but you're not getting what they got at Fort Myers, though. Sure. You know, yeah. pretty much anywhere in Florida, you're about a 35, 40-minute drive to the water. No matter where you live, that's pretty much the way that it is in Florida. So maybe if you wanted to go to Florida, but you're concerned about storm surge and things like that, perhaps a little place more inland. I don't know. Should we? Do we have time to do Is It Racist? Oh, I think we do. Okay. All right. Let's play a little round of Is It Racist? It's time to play Is It Racist? And for those of you that are new to the show, might just be listening for the first time, here is AOC to explain how we play Is It Racist? Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? Okay. I think we're all on the same page here. Nancy Pelosi speaking about the situation where Ron DeSantis sent the migrants up to Martha's Vineyard. She says that maybe, just maybe, the folks in Florida should keep them there so they can pick all the crops. Right now, the best thing that we can do for our economy is to have comprehensive immigration reform. We have a shortage of workers in our country, and you see even in Florida, some of the farmers and the growers saying, why are you shipping these Immigrants up north, we need them to pick the crops down here. <laughs> pick my crops, yeah. says Nancy Pelosi. I would say yes, that's racist. And let me just translate this for you before we hit a break with Matt Bear. Here's here's the translation. There's not enough brown people to work for slave wages, so we need to exploit a fresh crop of illegals who don't know any better. That's Nancy Pelosi breaking it down. 
<laughs> vineyard owner, by the way, Nancy Pelosi. Insider trader, Nancy yeah. Pelosi. She's got a vineyard in St. Helena, uh, St. Helena in California worth up to $25 million. Maybe she, maybe she needs some slave labor there. I love the first thing she thinks about when she sees yeah. a migrant is, <laughs> come pick my crops. <laughs> Good Lord. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, a lot to get to this hour, including Dan Dockage, 107.5, the fan. Maybe a preview of that Colts game this weekend. Also, uh, obviously, keeping an eye on Hurricane Ian making landfall in South Carolina. It's the hurricane that just keeps on giving, man. It's it, gone from it's, the Gulf. Now it's in the Atlantic. It's crossed Florida. And now it's battering the Carolina shoreline. And we'll have much more on that news at the bottom of the hour than Dan Dockage. Then a beer sample Friday coming up at 548 around that time. Can I tell you a secret, Nige? Please. I've already started beer sample Friday. I've noticed. (laughs) (laughs) I think I I might have to pop one open myself. Uh, Researchers analyzed 20,000 pumpkin spice related tweets. They found that 55% of them were positive and only eight were negative. Uh, once the calendar turns to October, you know, it really feels like it's that that peak pumpkin spice season, right? I mean, tomorrow is the 1st of October. I can't believe, by, just a side note, I can't believe somebody, researchers, were uh, saddled with the task of analyzing 20,000 pumpkin spice related tweets. <laughs> Good Lord. And if you I, look I, at the numbers here, 55% were positive, but only 8% were negative. So this tells me there's a lot of people that just like, I don't give a damn. <laughs> and again, there's a lot of people who are a lot smarter than we are, have these fancy college degrees, doctorates, masters, and they're studying pumpkin spice tweets. <laughs> 20,000 of them. <laughs> Is Mrs. Nige a pumpkin spice nah. fan? Nah, she likes the um, she likes the pumpkin, you know, like Oktoberfest sort of pumpkin beer, for sure. But uh, not a lot of it's uh, very traditional in our household. Well, there's a uh, lot of people you know. that get all in oh, to pumpkin spice. I like it once in a while. Pumpkin bread, yeah. uh, oh, candles, like pumpkin uh, the pumpkin spice lattes. Pumpkin pie and, and Thanksgiving. Oh, of course, man. Please. Pumpkin pie, yeah, yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a new product from Hammer and Nigel coming out that I think is the perfect complement oh. to all of the things we previously mentioned. Welcome to fall and the time for everyone's favorite everything, pumpkin spice. Chances are there's something pumpkin spice in every room of your home, <laughs> except the bathroom, until now. <laughs> Introducing new pumpkin Pumpkin Spice Charmin, turning your phone time into a cozy fall afternoon. New Pumpkin Spice Charmin smells so good, you'll find yourself wishing you had to obliterate the downstairs powder room more often. (laughs) Filled with the smell of crisp cinnamon, warm toasty pumpkin, a fragrance that says, who needs a courtesy flush? It's just one of three new fall scents. Be looking for warm apple and bayberry cinnamon. So this autumn, just go ahead and peel the wallpaper off. From the folks at Charmin, who remind you that there are dozens of brands of bath tissue on the market. But on the whole, they're all the same. Ah! 
see there. See what happened. I, I, I knew from Hammer and Nigel products. Do you are you a family that keeps uh, air freshener in the bathroom, like spray of any sort? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Candles? Absolutely. Uh, we have candles, but they don't get used a lot. It's really the spray. the spray. Like in the house, we have those like plug-in things. Yeah. You plug them in, and every yeah. once in a while, they spray out and do that kind of thing. I have something in my bathroom called poo. Poo-pourri. And you spray it preemptively before you do your business. Okay. So if you know you're really just going (laughs) to brown that thing up. Sure. You spray this in the toilet first, and it's it's very strong, and it'll, uh, it'll... It it takes the smell away. It's basically napalm. That's what it is. (laughs) God, Nigel, what's going on in there? I haven't even started yet. Uh, So a lot of people are really into pumpkin spice. And again, we're fortunate enough to have Hammer and Nigel products available to where we can give the consumers what they want. You've seen the phenomenon of pumpkin spice and the droves of hot suburban women who flock to order it. Fellas, if you're looking to meet more women but hate the taste of pumpkin spice, Hammer and Nigel products have something for you. Hammer and Nigel's Pumpkin Spice Butt Lotion. Pumpkin Spice Butt Lotion is made of bits of real pumpkin, so you know it's good. Just apply a small dab to your bare butt cheeks and wait for all the hot chicks in your office to take notice. Like this. Ooh, who's that? That's Kenny from Logistics. His butt smells like pumpkin spice. I guess we won't be needing these pants anymore. It's just that easy. Pumpkin spice butt lotion should be used in moderation. Side effects include the desire to wear Uggs, sleeveless winter vests, and yoga pants. Hammer and Nigel's Pumpkin Spice Butt Lotion. Available wherever Hammer and Nigel products are sold. Guess we won't be needing these pants anymore. That's Kenny. His butt smells like pumpkin spice. <laughs> uh, today is International Podcast Day. Mm, and, Nigel, for you and I, this is just another reason to have a beverage because the Hammer and Nigel show now, in its current form, was once a uh, drunken podcast we used to do in a bar. We called it a barcast, yes. as a matter of fact. I kind of feel like we were ahead of our time in the whole podcast on location thing. Is it like, is it 10 years 12 years about I mean, 10 i, mean, I think i'm not sure 2011 maybe uh yeah we started at the ugly monkey we begged them to let us set up and they gave us free beer and then uh coach's tavern came calling a couple months after that and we spent how many years at coach's tavern oh man Five probably at least more than that i, I think. think the key for us the success we had was that we had secured a limo sponsor so uh, we actually kind of looked a little cooler than what we really were. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we'd have these guests on like Julia Moffat, you know, classy. Bobby Slick Leonard came by. Yeah, Bobby Slick Leonard, um, uh, the guy that played champ. From David Keckner from right. Anchorman, one of my favorite guests ever. Steve O came by. We had these all, and all because like we were able to send a limo for them. Right, if, if and had we to... had great partnerships with like the local comedy course, clubs and the media outlets, yeah. and uh, we had a cast of friends, man, that uh, deserve a shout out from Molly to Marcus yep. to Charlotte to Matt to CJ Tommy. Tommy, 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 and of course our friends uh, Soupy and Tom Sutton and Adam Eisenberg. Happy Uh, podcast day. Happy International International Podcast Day. Day. Uh, Taco Bell is bringing back the $10 Taco Lover's Pass. Yeah. 
for just one day. Oh. Next Tuesday. Mm. So the way this works is you buy a pass on the Taco Bell app next Tuesday, and then you'll get one free taco per day for the next 29 days. Okay. Now, this brings us to great moments in Taco Bell history <laughs> where a woman filmed a video stuck behind a guy late night in a drive-thru who had ordered $300 <laughs> worth of Taco Bell. Oh, my God. Yo, the reason this line is so Imagine being stuck behind uh, that guy. I'd be upset, too. Uh, great moments in Taco Bell history. <laughs> uh, Philadelphia, there was a little disagreement in the line. Uh-oh. Are one of you guys going to move? Somebody cutting in front of somebody, taking advantage of the situation. No, I'm not. I'm calling the police because what you did is... Oh, my God. It's Taco Bell. It's Taco Bell. Like, everyone's going to eat. Saying, but how should you just go cut in front of somebody? It's not worth your energy. <laughs> Now, I'd like to remind everybody, this is the same station that Mike Pence used to work at. Yes. Let's hear that exact same clip, but instead of a car horn, can we get a duck quacking? Are one of you guys going to (laughs) move? Somebody cutting in front of somebody. Not, I'm calling the police. It's Taco Bell. Like, everyone's going to eat. But how should you just go cut in front of somebody? It's not worth your energy. (laughs) (laughs) Great moments in Taco Bell history. Dan Dockich <laughs> up next. Hammer and Nigel. What the hell was that? It's called sending a message. I think it will be received loud and clear. On 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on the coach, Dan Dockich from 107.5, the fan and outkick. Coach, uh, before we move forward, let's look in the rearview mirror a little bit to that game last week. Colts beat a pretty good Kansas City Chiefs game. Uh, I I left that game feeling like the Chiefs lost that game more than the Colts won. What's your overall assessment of uh, last Sunday? Thank God for Chris Jones, right? I mean, the mouth of Kansas City. That dude that dude gave the Colts life, and thank God for the Colts took advantage of it. I mean, you think about this, um, special teams play, and there was a time when our good friends uh, at the Star said that the special teams coach was going to be the head coach of the Colts when Chuck Pagano left. And thank God, once again, they were not even close because that special teams operation was complete, utter, horrific. Think about it. Drop a punch, Sky Moore. Then Sky Moore's back there. He lets one go. You down it at the one. Miss an extra point. A fake field goal that had about as much chance as you and you three, or us three, (laughs) running 100 in under 12 seconds. It was terrible. Um and, you know, um, sometimes you just – victory favors the team making the fewest mistakes is the smartest thing I ever heard Coach Knight uh, tell me or tell us, and you saw it. It wasn't necessarily the Colts did such great things, although i got to give them great credit, man. That drive at the end of the game was fantastic. Yeah. It was. It was terrific. And good for Matt Ryan and good for the Colts. So why can't the Colts block anybody? 
coach. Wow. You've got the most, uh, you know, heralded offensive guard, apparently, that's ever played the game. Uh, you've got a Pro Bowl center, the highest paid offensive line in the league, and it's a big problem right now. It's a massive problem. And you know what? It's kind of a problem all across the league. It's not, you know, yes, it is the Colts. Yes, because we're paying attention to it. But I'm watching teams across the league. Look, you could pay a guy whatever to be an offensive guard and he could be good. You didn't need to pay $20 million. You're not getting a generational guard. You've seen the value of that. Well, the, the thing that when I talk to guys like Rick Venturi or guys that are actually coaching uh, and around the NFL, they say the problem has been thus far communication, which is a shocker because it's not like – uh, at least from a from the standpoint of Nelson and Kelly, they haven't played together. And if you watch where guys are coming unblocked, it's right from between those two guys. And it looks like they're not talking to each other or they can't see what's coming. But that has to be straightened out, and it has to be straightened out quick. I've said on my show, fellas, that I'm not for changing guys. I, I, I always hear from coaches, look, offensive lines need to develop. Okay. If offensive lines need to develop and you're playing a left tackle in his first year, you're playing a right guard in his first year and Danny Pinter, then let's, you know, okay, let's let him develop. But it's not a lifetime agreement. You know what I'm saying? Like at some point, guys are going to have to play better or particularly the two guys that I mentioned, or they're going to have to be replaced. And if you don't, quite frankly, Matt Ryan's not going to last a year based on what's happening so far. Uh, one more question about the – the game last Sunday, and then we'll look forward to uh, the Titans. But you were uh, you played basketball under Coach Knight. You've been a coach, um, and the 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 guy, the the player that you mentioned at the beginning of this segment for the Kansas City Chiefs that was was you know they threw the flag for abusive language. It kept the Colts' drive alive. Uh, what's as a coach? As other play, I mean, you've been around boneheaded mistakes before. I'm sure that maybe possibly cost games. I'm not saying that you have, but what what does the coach say in the locker room? What's the players feel like? What is he an outcast? Is he a pariah? Is are the coaches laying into him in the in the uh, in the locker room after the game? What do you think? I think the NFL is so different, and I think uh, I I think that when you look at professional sports coaches are so afraid to really get after players mm -hmm. and my view of it you're going to have a real problem you know ripping him now me personally it would have been insanity uh, <laughs> i mean i was a psychotic you know well if you want to call me bob knight wannabe i don't care call me whatever you want to call me i don't care but i i would have been absolutely freaking crazy um, but you don't do that in professional football. You don't do that in college football. And you would think uh, players would be hostile, right? But it's really not the way it works. I, I just think it's business as usual. The guy probably feels really bad. If he doesn't, he shouldn't be on a team. He's a good player. But, as you know, you always hear coaches say this, right? I mean, it's one thing to make a physical mistake. It's another thing to make a mental mistake. And that's obviously a mental mistake of epic proportions because the Colts were facing basically a fourth down in a million and the game was going to be over. So 
Um, if I were his teammate, I would balance a line of making sure he understands what a complete idiot he was with making him understand that I'm still his teammate, you know? And right. that balance is oftentimes not the easiest thing because you get you, – here's the deal. As coaches and players, you put so much into one game. Like, I couldn't believe as a head coach how exhausted I was after a game. Like, man – and then you realize, i got to crank this all up, start watching tape on the next one. And players, it's no different. In fact, it's, it's more. Um, I, I, all I would say is, uh, thank God he did not live in an era where players really, truly, physically held other guys accountable. Let's put it that way. <laughs> the coach, Dan Dockich, with us. So let's look ahead to Sunday. This is a big one. The Titans come into town. The Colts have not beaten the Titans in Indy since 2018. I think Tennessee's won four of the last five games in Indianapolis. Their offense struggling they're very one-dimensional right now but it's a divisional game coach what are you looking for well it's a huge game uh absolutely monstrous game and and i'll give you a couple reasons why one it's division one it's you know the titans have won the division but i don't know how much you guys have paid attention to this but back in april jimmy ursay started talking about at the owners meeting with mike chapel the importance of beating the titans uh, and he's never done that. What he's normally done is talk, if he's ever talked about another team, is the importance of beating the Patriots. It's the first time. And then he doubled down on it at training camp around August 17th, August 18th. He doubled down on that, and he talked about how tough the Titans are, how Mike Vrabel's done such a great job, how they've dominated the division. And I don't know, again, Jimmy Ursay has been tweeting out power and toughness and blah, all this stuff, and it's great, right? I mean, what the heck? So this is a monstrous game inside that building. What I'm looking for for is the continued development of wide receivers. Like, I thought Alec Pierce made a great play going up top, 38 yards. It's the longest pass play the Colts have had. They're two similar teams. Neither team has the deep threat. A.J. Brown is gone, thank goodness. Colts don't have a guy like that. T.Y. Hilton is gone, and I know the Titans say thank goodness to that. Both have uh, quarterbacks that are very limited. Both have great running backs. Um, I love the Colts' defense. I liked it in the second half against the Texans. You know, the the Jacksonville game was just ridiculous, and I thought that the, the defense against the Chiefs was as good as I've ever seen against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I thought from the – in fact, I live bet the living hell out of the game because I thought the – oh, boy, I thought the coach right? had Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I just dropped – I'm doing my show. I got to do it from home here, and I just dropped the Comrex. And, <laughs> oh, no. That's like the key component to do – <laughs> it appears to be connected still, so God bless. Yeah, yeah, and I, I gotta tell you, you just, you just heard some real, real, real personal development because I didn't mf anything. Is the thing falling down? Joe Biden's over there falling on his bike, dropping his Comrex unit. Easy there, Biden. Yeah. Oh yeah, Joe Junior. I'll, I'll take. Uh, no, I'm, I will refuse to be Joe Junior. Uh, one more thing here oh, before we wow. let you go, Coach. We got a, a couple college football games this weekend, Purdue and Minnesota. We don't know what the status of Purdue's quarterback is. The Hoosiers at Nebraska. Any thoughts on these games? 
I do. Um, Purdue's going to get whomped because Minnesota's pretty good if Aiden O'Connell doesn't play. And I feel bad for the kid. He was set up to have a great year. I've, I've said this on my show, you know, and I said this with you earlier uh, on my show. you got a chance. When you play in the Big Ten, there are four really historical, iconic programs, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Nebraska. I got to believe this is the best chance to go into Nebraska and get a win that Indiana's ever had, or any of those four programs. They're four and a half point underdog. I don't know that I'm betting it because Indiana football has, in my lifetime, always disappointed. Uh, but God, Lee, this this is one of those games, guys, that sets you up for a good season. You know, it, it's it's there's fifty fifty games. This is a fifty fifty game for Indiana. They literally, if they want to get their program back, they got to go win this game. Period. So hope they feel that way. Hope they get it done. Purdue. I think Minnesota's pretty good, and without Aiden O'Connell, if he doesn't play, that's a real problem. I got the Huskers to cover, Coach. I got Nebraska to yeah. cover. I'm laying the four. Uh, I'm not betting against that. Let me give you one possible bet. I will always take Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, and the Kansas City Chiefs when they're getting points. I am taking the one, plus one, Kansas City against Tom Brady uh, and the Tampa Bay Bucks in Tampa on Sunday. Would you like any piece of the other side as our beer bet? No, not Kansas <laughs> oh, City coming off a loss where Patrick Mahomes right. was yelling at Eric Bieniemy on the sideline. I got to right. think you're going to see some offense this week. I'm not taking that one, Coach. All right, beer bet. I'll take the Hoosiers. I'll scoop the four. All right, done. That's it. So let it be written, so let it be done. Four is the line. Coach has IU. I've got the Huskers. Coach, have a great weekend. Thanks, Coach. You too, my friend. See you guys. Thank you. Ready for some beer? Yeah, let's drink some beer. Let's drink some beer. Beer, beer, beer. I'm going for a beer. Beer Beer sample Friday. Next. Right now. Hammer and Nigel present. Beer sample. Fry. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down and get you some. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also a very special guest in studio for Beer Sample Friday, brought to you by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. Annie Whistler is here, and we've got Oktoberfest happening. Annie, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Annie's all decked out, man. Right. She's uh, got the Oktoberfest gear on. You kind of have the gear on that if you've seen the movie European Vacation, where Clark Griswold gets up there and he's dancing with all the folks, <laughs> uh, that's the kind of outfit that like Rusty it. is making out with the chick with. Oh, my God. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> sure it was. Sure it no, was. No. That's just made my day. That's you look like a million damn dollars hey thank you so tell me about the big festival well the festival starts today starts at four it's three days of uh, live music Um, we're having different vendors out tons of beer obviously that's you know it's oktoberfest after all of course um german food we're gonna have a a, a wiener dog parade okay don't don't see that every day um so who doesn't love a wiener dog parade (laughs) and uh we are also going to have um you know, just games, activities. It's just going to be like a smorgasbord of German-themed fun. And this is at 30th and, uh, uh, say it, help me out here. 30th and Monon. 30th yeah. and Monon mm-hmm. is where Oktoberfest yes. is happening. Yep. And uh, fr- fun for the whole family, right? I oh, mean, yeah. This is family friendly. I mean, you got a wiener dog contest, for I'm, God's sake. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like the adults are just as excited, if not more so, than the kids, but I I feel like, yes, if you have children, that's Saturday at 3 is when the Wiener Dog Parade kicks off. And uh, actually, um, 
admission is free to anyone 18 or younger. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. So that's so. awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, for those 18 and older, those that <laughs> want to come out and have some awesome beverages on what's shaping up to be a beautiful fall weekend yes. here, uh, what's the price of admission? The price of admission is you can get your tickets $20 in advance on Eventbrite or 25 at the door. And then we also do a three-day beer pass for thirty-five dollars. Kind of beer Ooh. we talking? Like uh, we, we have sponsors and everything. We've got vendors out there, and all sorts of different t- types of beer. Well, I got to give a shout out to Sun King, who's our beer sponsor. Oh, and, and look at this- that! Oh. You happen to bring us some beverages oh, here. Oh, what do you know? Do you mind if I open this, anybody? There we go. Oh, that sounds great. There Oktoberfest, we go. German-style lager straight from the Sun King Brewery. Mm-hmm. Cheers to the weekend. Cheers to Oktoberfest. Mm, man, oh, man. Prost, gentlemen. Oh, man. That is really good. What did you just say? Prost? Prost. What's that? Uh, is that? German for cheers. <laughs> I thought that was the guy that hosted Survivor. Oh, my gosh. That's what I was thinking. Oh, man. So if you want to put down some sausages and drink some beer and have a good time, once again, tell us where we can go, how to get tickets. So you'll want to go to, if you look us up on Eventbrite, it's Oktoberfest 2022, Moon on 30. Or you can go to our website, and there's an Oktoberfest link there. Um, Instagram, I mean, we are just, we're we put it on blast, so hopefully we're easy to find. But when in doubt, go to monon30.com, uh, Oktoberfest. Annie, this has been awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Annie. so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Beer Sample Friday. Thank you to Thompson Furniture. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.